As Christians, we all want to hear from God, and one principal way to do that is straight from the Scriptures. God's Word is His message to His people. I'm Chris Johnson, host of the Charisma Connection podcast, and in this special five-part series, I get to talk with some delightful people from Lifeway Christian Resources about the Christian Standard Bible, or CSB, translation. We hope you enjoy these interviews about the CSB and related products that will equip you for lifelong discipleship. Today we have Trevin Wax with us. He is Director of Bibles and Reference at Lifeway Christian Resources. He's also a visiting professor at Wheaton College, and he's the general editor of The Gospel Project, author of several books, and Christianity Today, in fact, named him one of 33 millennials leading the next generation of evangelicalism. So that was uh, uh, quite an accolade there, Trevin. Welcome to the show. Yes, definitely an honor. Thank you for having me. Well, we're so happy to have you. And I know you've been a missionary to Romania, too. So how's your Romanian? It's it's very well. I, I married a Romanian, so we, I we thought speak I remember Romanian that. every day. Well, yeah. how about that? Okay, excellent. Well, uh, clearly you're well-versed in, in all kinds of languages, and uh, including a Bible translation, which is what we're going to talk about today, the Christian Standard Bible. Now, how did you get involved, first of all, with this Christian Standard Bible translation? So I, I uh, joined the team at Lifeway almost nine years ago, but, um, and, and my, my initial role was to, to start the Gospel Project curriculum, uh, that is used across the country now and around the world from, uh, you know, different age groups using a, a curriculum and Sunday schools and life groups and small groups and things like that. But about three years ago, um, I shifted over into a new role as director of Bible and Reference. Um, Holman Bible Publishing is uh, the oldest Bible publisher in North America, and um, the, the uh, Holman Bible Publishers um, have a translation that was getting ready to launch called the Christian Standard Bible. And so my role was to help steward that translation and help that translation launch well to where it would be able to, to, serve, to serve the Church. Mm-hmm. Now, how does the CSB help people actually read the Word of God or want to read the Word of God? Well, you know, one of the things that we've found when we do studies is that a lot of people— uh, when they when asked, you know, why 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 is it difficult, or why do people not read the scriptures? Um, one answer that people generally give, the number one answer, is they say they don't have time. Um, and the second answer that people give is that they say, well, it's just it's just too difficult to understand. Um, I I appreciate the CSB because while I can't fix the time question, that's something that we all have to do. We have to carve out moments of our lives in order for us to open God's Word and hear from God, um, we, we can help, translations can help address the second question, the second problem, which is um, difficulty understanding. And one of the things I appreciate so much about this translation is that it is very accurate and at the same time very readable. There's a very readable sense in, in, in it of uh, the style is such that it's not off-putting to even people that may be reading English as a second language, like my wife, for example, or other people uh, who are, um, you, you know, coming to the Bible for the first time and may not be familiar with all of the 
the concepts or some of the words. Um, and so it's a it's a translation that helps people, I think, because it 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 both combines accuracy and it's it's solid and sound for Bible study, and at the same time readability. It's very easily accessible by people, and sometimes translations tend to do one or the other of those. They're either really uh, uh, they really score high on the trying to make sure they get every single word uh, the the right way on on the accuracy chart, but maybe clunky or difficult to read in English. And other translations uh, uh, tend to want to be so understandable they're not as helpful when it comes to Bible study, preaching, teaching, and things like that because they're they're taking liberties with the text to some ex- to some extent. The CSB I think solves that problem very well by by deciding you don't have to choose between those two kinds of translations but can actually have one that models the best of both of those kinds of philosophy of translation. Yes, they talk about the word for word which is the most literal I suppose or the dynamic translation. This is what you're talking about, right? It kind of bridges between the two. Yes, and you know, different. That, that's one of the things that is important to to recall is that um, different translations might serve different purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, even though I love and use the CSB uh, regularly, it's my go-to translation, the one I preach from. I do most of my Bible reading and study from. I'm very thankful for many translations that we have in English. We are blessed with an abundance. Of, of of riches when it comes to Bible translation in English. So true. And different translations can serve different purposes, and I'm glad to see uh, the variety out there. Uh, but what I so appreciate about the CSB is that it is that, that great primary translation, the default, the go-to, the one that um, I, I know I can count on to be accurate and also very accessible. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us which scholars were involved in creating this translation. What's the history of it? So the translation began in the 1990s uh, it, with more than 100 scholars from over 17 different denominations and, non, and non-denominational churches across the U.S. So it was begun quite a while ago in the 1990s, and it was, it, it was meant to be a translation that would serve the church really well. That was the the goal in the whole church, not just uh, one particular group or another particular group. It, it was to be uh, for the, the the church. And so, what came out of that was the what we call the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, that um, uh, was that that was the in, initial translation work uh, that that took place in the two thousands. And then, roughly, I'd say seven or eight years ago. Um, the conversations began uh, with bringing together a new team of uh, scholars uh, from different denominations and across the world where English is spoken, so different continents represented as well, uh, so that there would be both geographical and denominational diversity, uh, bringing together these scholars who all have a a really strong passion for the Word of God, a very deep understanding and love for the biblical languages, to come together and to, to do a significant a revision of the HCSB. And at that time, it was decided to drop the H and to just have it be the Christian Standard Bible. And this translation launched in 2017 and has been um, uh, adopted widely and continues to, to grow. The Church has responded well to it, which is a real affirmation, I think, of all of the scholarly work that went into it, 
Um, these are people who know the Bible very well. They're certainly academics. I've sat in on the meetings and am, am just in awe of the scholarly resources uh, we have um, at that table, but also just a, a very deep passion for God's people. And, um, you know, Michael Card, the, the, single, the singer-songwriter, um, is, is the stylist for the CSB, and he's at that table, too. And I remember one time Michael was saying that one of the things that most impressed him about the translation committee was, um, was, was seeing translation committee members weep at the thought or expressing the idea that they would be involved in such, a, such a, an, an honorable and noble task. You know, that they were just humbled by the opportunity to be able to translate the Word of God, that God's people can understand what God has said, what God has written. And so I, I just, I, when I think about that translation committee and the scholars, I, I see the, the beauty of real scholarship matched and combined with a strong, strong passion for the church. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the people who have helped this translation uh, come to the church. That's very interesting about Michael Card, because when I've seen him in concert or when I've listened to his music, it is just infused with Scripture. So it's wonderful that you had him at the table as well. Absolutely. And, you know, Michael brings that artistic sensibility as well. So not only does he know the the, the original languages, but he's also... Um, aware of how things sound, you know, and, and part of Bible translation is not merely in getting it down accurately or making it accessible, but also the, the readability portion that, that comes back to that, um, uh, that sense of style is, is, is really important for Bible translations. It's one reason why the King James Version has been so beloved over the years, is because there is a stylistic element to that translation that is, 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 is stunning in its, in its presentation. Um, and so I, I think it's important for a Bible translation to to have different people at the table with different skills and different gifts that they bring in order to make the Bible, uh, to really bring the Bible to life, to, to uh, translate it in, in a very faithful way. And originally you wanted to serve the Church, and I'm sure you continue to want to serve the Church, and, and when the Scriptures are read aloud from a pulpit, for instance, you wanted to have a, a nice sound that's appealing and draws people in. Yes, I think, I think that's one of the most important things to remember about the Bible, is that this is a book that was meant to be read aloud. Um, you know, we, we tend to be people, because we are living in the age where you have printed books, and now increasingly electronic forms of media— in which we, we look at the, the text um, uh, on the page, and we think about Bible study in that way. But for many generations and many centuries, Bibles were not widely available. As if you know church history, Bibles were generally reserved for the, the clergy, or sometimes you'd have one Bible in one congregation, and it might be you know, up on the pulpit or whatnot. Um, but even before that, much of the Bible was known by memorization and by oral reading. And so the Bible was meant to be read aloud. And so one of the things that we, as, as translators, must keep in mind is the orality of the Bible, the fact that it was meant to be heard, and bringing that to the table as part of our translation process, as we consider that, is one of the elements of Bible translation. 
Well, you mentioned the King James, and some believers who are used to reading that uh, traditional version think that reading a Bible that doesn't capitalize he for God, it seems disrespectful to them. How does your translation refer to God? Yeah, that's actually interesting because the King James Version does not uh, capitalize he when oh, it comes I'm to mistaken. God. I think no one of the one of the um, that's actually become a new um, uh, trend. The New King James Version does that, and mm-hmm. the New American Standard Bible. Those are the two translations that do that. And that the tends modern to be the English minority mm-hmm. in the modern English version, right? That tends to be the minority of translations, and the reason I think it, that's the case. Or the reason why uh, the CSB is, really does stand in the old King James tradition of not doing that is because you have several times throughout the Bible. In fact, it's it's too many to, for me to to count up uh, at once. In which the the person being referred to, there could be a a reference to two people. Take for example some of the prophets in the Old Testament, where there the prophecies may have an initial fulfillment uh, with a an earthly king. Um, but there may also be a second fulfillment that is fulfilled in Jesus. Um, and so the question comes up in those circumstances, well, who exactly is being spoken about by Isaiah, for example, in this passage? We, we know that there's an earthly reference at that moment, but we know because of the New Testament that there's also a divine fulfillment. So do we capitalize or not? You have the same issue come up in, in things like the Psalms where, you know, uh, take Psalm 22, for example, where David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, the, the question, would you, would you um, um, capitalize me and my in those verses? Um, because we know Jesus, these, these are the words of Jesus when we see them in the, in the Gospels. Jesus applied this psalm to himself. But there, when it was first written, of course, David is writing this um, about how he feels, and he's expressing his own heart in that moment. But we know that psalm has a richer and more significant meaning. Um, And so one of the challenges is for Bible translators who do want to show respect to to the Lord in as many ways as possible is to wrestle with that question, uh, should we capitalize pronouns and and run the risk of perhaps flattening out the the significance of some of these double meanings that are in the text, or or should we not? Uh, Since the original manuscripts don't capitalize, most translations choose not to. They, they say the originals don't, and we don't feel necessarily the, the need to, and we want to keep open those, those different meanings. Uh, but a few translations, the one you mentioned, Modern English and the New King James and the New American Standard, in those cases, they did decide to capitalize, in certain instances, pronouns referring to God. Um, and this is an area, I think, where good Christians, all who love the Bible and who want to be faithful to God's Word, can can perhaps disagree on the best way to do this, but the one thing that's not in doubt for any of these translations, I think, in the decisions they make, is the heart behind the decisions they make. It's a it's a desire to to honor and reverence God and His Word in the best way possible, and they may come to different conclusions about the the best way to do that. But there's no denying that the the very heart of the matter um, is is to 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 bring reverence and honor to God. Yes, and it sounds like it's been very well thought out, your philosophy behind that. Let's talk also about uh, gender and how gender is treated in the Bible. I know that can be a bit controversial. How does the CSB treat it? 
Well, when it comes to uh, um, uh, matters related to gender, this is a, 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 an ongoing conversation because of the of changes that we have in the English language. Um, for, for many years and in many societies, um, for example, in the New Testament, if the, the Bible says brothers, it's an inclusive brothers, meaning it means brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. It's Paul, in writing a letter, for example, to uh, um, a church, when he uses brothers, most often he is referring to the whole congregation, um, and, and, and that is included in the original meaning. The CSB wanted to make sure that that is clear in English as well. Um, we'll go ahead and, and translate according to the meaning of the apostle when he wrote the letter, and we'll say brothers and sisters. Um, now, there are places where some translations, in order to not um, use the generic he or him or his, when it could be referring to both male and female, uh, will will change the translation to from singular to plural. You know, instead of saying, uh, if anyone should pick up his cross and follow me, they might say, if anyone would pick up their cross and follow me, they should deny themselves or, or whatnot. Um, that's something the CSB does not do. Uh, the, the, the translators of the CSB believe that moving from singular to plural in, in, in most cases uh, would lose something of the individualistic meaning of the original author. And so they, in order to be as accurate as possible, they decided to include the generic he. And we know, of course, in that situation, if anyone would pick up his cross, that it's not referring simply to men, it's referring to men and women, uh, because that, that he is sort of a stand-in for just for anyone. But they, they felt that moving that to plural, as do some other translations, would be losing something of the accuracy of the text in which the, the image there is of an individual. And so I, I appreciate the way that they've sort of threaded the needle on a very what can be a very contentious and controversial topic by, by seeking to be as faithful as possible to the original meaning of the, the, the authors and at the same time uh, not wanting to, to do anything that would sacrifice accuracy uh, simply because of particular changes that may be happening in the English language today. Well, excellent. And what would you like to leave our listeners with as we, uh, let's say we're walking into a Christian bookstore and there are just so many Bibles there and we may feel a bit overwhelmed as to what to purchase, or we go online and maybe there's even more selection. How do we consider what translation to purchase and what is the value of the CSB um, in that mix? Well, whenever you see that, that, that big shelf full of Bibles of all different translations, the first thing I think we should say is thank you. Thank you to the Lord that He has blessed us with such a, an array of options in the English language. We really are blessed in so many ways. Um, a second thing would be to ask the question, what, what, uh, what is the purpose for which I'm seeking to, to uh, 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 find a Bible, to purchase a Bible? Am I buying a Bible for a, uh, a child who's perhaps English is a second language? Then I may want a translation that is going to be as dynamic as possible, simply so that it is extremely easy to understand. Uh, am I doing a Bible study that is going to be very careful word for word through the biblical text? Um, then I may be looking at that time for a more literal translation, one that is very word for word, even if it's harder to understand in English. Um, but I hope that if you're looking for a Bible that serves multiple purposes well, 
that the CSB would be one that you would consider choosing because it does it is easy easy to understand uh, for children for adults alike some who have familiarity or don't have familiarity with the Bible and at the same time is also very accurate uh, the the scholarly work behind it is very trustworthy and credible and it, it can be used for Bible study and discipleship and preaching and teaching and whatnot. And so as you're looking for a Bible that accomplishes multiple things well, I hope that the CSB will receive a lot of consideration. It really is a marvelous translation, and seeing the Church respond to it so warmly has been one of the the great blessings that I've experienced in the past few years. Well, it seems the Christian Standard Bible translation is serving the Church and serving individuals well. So we thank you very much, Trevin Wax, for being with us today and for sharing your expertise as Director of Bibles and Reference at LifeWay Christian Resources. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You've shared some really important things for our listeners to ruminate on as they seek to learn more about God's Word and apply it to their lives. Listeners, thank you for spending a little time with us for this Charisma Connection episode. God bless you as you open the Word today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.